Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's turn our Bibles today to Exodus, the third chapter and verse 10. I'm going to preach today and next week, and I'm going to wrap this faith for our families up. I'm going to be teaching this week and next week how to recover all against all odds. Recovering all against all odds. We think too little of our God. Then we think too little of his thoughts concerning us. We're always seeing through the eye of the negative, the eye of rejection, the eye of condition, and we really short-circuit the hand of God. God will withhold no good thing from us. Amen? Now, I'm going to be preaching on recovering all against all odds. Now, the one thing that it takes for any miraculous intervention is peace among the brethren. Unity among our households. Because it doesn't matter what we do, we do things that short-circuit faith. Amen? And so we want to make sure that we are at peace with people. All little bits and pieces, you just need to clean the house up. Kind of like in Israel at the Passover, they would have a game they played, and they went into all the corners and under the couches, and they sought for leaven. And they would take that leaven, and they had to get it out of the house because that was the condition of God. We have to live in unity, one with another. Amen? One with another. Guard your heart because out of it flow the issues of life. Now, in Exodus 3.10, it says this. Come now, therefore, God speaking to a man named Moses, I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And notice that these are children. They are the offspring of God, just like our children. They were bound by Egypt. They were tormented. They had heavy tasks laid upon them. They were enslaved by a power greater than they, their selves. They could not free themselves, or they certainly would have been freed. And so God says, I'm going to deliver them. He really doesn't care what Pharaoh thinks, and he doesn't care what Egypt is about to do. And then he says this, And Moses said unto God, Who am I? that I should go into Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and thou shalt be a to and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee when thou hast brought forth the people of Egypt, he ye shall serve God upon this mountain. Notice that God says, I'm going to send you. What an insurmountable task. One man 
God doesn't say, I'm going to join the armies of the Amorites and the Horatites and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Bakchanites. He doesn't say any of that. He says, I'm going to send you. Who in the world do you think I am? Really, in God's mind, he's saying this. I'm not considering you. I'm considering me. That's what he says. Who am I? You're the man I'm going to go with. You're the man that I'm going to join myself to. Who am I that I could go? Ah, it doesn't really matter who you are because I'm going. Can I have my table? So I'm going. And so Moses asked the question, who am I? God answers the question. He says, I will go with you. So here is a man one man against insurmountable odds, the Egyptian army. One man is supposed to go into Egypt and destroy the army. Now, do you see this pitcher of water? What does it mean that I will go with thee? It simply means that God says, I will attach myself to you and you will attach yourself to me. Jesus kind of prayed it like this in John, the 17th chapter. God, make them one as you and I are one. And the glory that I have, God, let it get on them. The weaker or the lesser is always swallowed up by the greater. Now, you see that, yeah, I never thought about this part. Uh, Now, that coffee doesn't have much identity because it has been swallowed up by the greater. That's what happens when you and I join ourselves to God. We are no longer seen as just common men, but now we are seen as men and women who God walks with. The enemy doesn't see us as ordinary men. He sees us as people that are joined with God. A common man, as Moses was, as you and I were, is joined by an extraordinary God. Limited man joined to an unlimited God. A man with needs joined to the God that meets them. The God that rules is joined with a man that has been ruled. And so we are joined with an extraordinary, faithful God, an unfailing God, an unlying God, whose hand is not short that it cannot save. That's the God that we are joined to. In verse 12, he says these life-changing words, Who am I? Well, you're just a shepherd on the backside of the desert, having ran from your call and your purpose, you've committed crimes, you're wanted, and you are fearful of your life. But when I go with you, you will not be a common, ordinary man. You will be a man that ultimately Pharaoh will bow to. And it says, and I will be with thee. He answers the question, who am I? You're about to become a partner 
with a provisionary God that meets every need in a man's life. He doesn't go by himself. He goes with provision that all he needs to do is request and God will move heaven and earth. And so it says, you know, as we always quote, one can put a thousand a flight, two can put 10,000 a flight. Is that ordinary? Or is that the result of an extraordinary God with an ordinary man? Well, that's what God says to us. You can put a thousand a flight. That simply means that God says, I'm with you. You're not by yourself. You're not trying to do this on your own. When we get this mindset in our life, folks, we will not bow, we will not bend, and we will not allow the devil to push us around. When Moses comes up against Pharaoh, Pharaoh begins to deal with him as he begins to see that I'm not fighting against a mere man. I'm fighting with a man connected with God. And even the magicians of Egypt said, oh, but this is not a man thing. This is a God thing, Pharaoh. Pay attention. So now he's recognizing that Moses is not by himself. God is on his side. And so he begins to deal with him, says, look, I'll, I'll let you take your, uh, your men and your women and go out, but believe your children here. In other words, I'll let you go out and have a limited freedom, but I'm going to bring you back in. And know this, when I bring you back in, I'm going to be prepared to keep you where I bring you. But Moses says this, no, no, that's not the deal. I came here to get it all. I came here to take every hoof out of Egypt. I came here to take every bread trough. I came here to bring every oxen, every calf, every goat, every sheep and sheep and every man and woman that has Israelite blood, I'm taking out from under your control. Against all odds, who could have bet? What would have been the odd from Nevada that Moses was going to win? Over a million to one, I'm sure. Recovering all against all odds. See, you're a child of God. You're not ordinary. You're a member of his family. You are the righteousness of God. You are the redeemed. He chose you. He bought you. He sanctified you. He transformed you. He paid a price for you. He thinks your value. He seated you in heavenly places. He put you at his right hand. His eyes are always upon you. His ears are open to your cry. You and I have God's accompaniment with us because we are the temples of God and the Holy Ghost dwells on the inside of us and greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. In other words, God is with us. Now we can make excuses, but God asks for none. And he doesn't expect us to hide behind him. Could it get an amen? Ordinary people become unbeatable opponents against the odds when joined to God. Now, without God, common people just put up with whatever comes their way and they try to survive. But God doesn't want us 
to survive. He wants us to be victorious. Therefore, when God always calls us to triumph in Christ Jesus, in other words, God says this, it doesn't matter what odds are against you, I am going to cause it to turn around, be transformed, and bring you out with the testimony of my glory. See, we really discover God in very unique ways when we are in hard places. If you've never been sick, thank God. But if you've ever been sick, you have discovered Jehovah Rapha. You say, you mean I got to be sick? No, 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 that's not what I said. Pay attention. I didn't say that. But knowing that God is a healer, and experiencing him as that healer is entirely two different things. Amen. If you've never been in need, you probably have never experienced that he is Jehovah Rapha. You've never been tormented. You may not know he's the God of peace. See, each and every one of us, we have, we serve the same God, but we really have different discoveries of him. To some people, God is just a Savior. And after that, you deal with everything that comes in life on your own. You know, God doesn't heal anymore. God doesn't answer prayer. God doesn't do this. God doesn't do that. But he saved you. And thank God they believe that. But there's more to God than just the saving God. Amen? And in these deep, dark places, is where we discover him. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1, 4 down through 10, look, we were in dire straits. Man, we were in tribulation. I don't even want to uh, keep it from you. I just want to tell you, buddy, we despaired even of life. And we tried to do it on our own. But then in the midst of this, something woke us up. And it said that we should stop trusting in ourselves. Yes, Paul the Apostle forgot that God was his source. Read the story. And then he says, but we have the sentence of all of our problems on the inside of ourself. That we should stop trusting in ourself and trust in God. Who has delivered, who will yet deliver, and is delivering us even now. And he said, I will teach others with the same comfort that I've obtained. In other words, he discovered God to be something that he had not known him to be before. And so ordinary people become opponents to their enemies, their circumstances, their situations, and all of those things that we face they become undefeatable when they have the mindset that God is with me. But people that don't have that mindset immediately and always will try to do kingdom things out of their own skills or their own abilities. If I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times. Man, oh man, God, where are we going to get the money for that? He's probably saying, duh, me, I'm the source. You remember, you preach that. 
Yeah, I, I know it, but God, this is real. The bill is due. Well, I know that, but I'm still the source. No matter how big the odds, no matter how big the obstacle, no matter how big your opponent, I am still the source of your victory. And so God wants us to get mindful of him. What if a man really believed that God would withhold nothing from him? That he would be absorbed into God and that everything that God was would be absorbed into him. Isn't it Christ in us, the hope of the demonstration of the invisible God to declare, to glorify, and unveil him to lost mankind? Well, are we just supposed to unveil to the world? We go to church. We have a moral standard. This is what Jesus did. He cleaned us and sanctified us so to show you you need salvation. Is that all the Jesus that we have? Or is he really in us to unveil God no matter what odds we face? Well, the truth of the matter is, he's in us just as God was in him. And so, we as believers cannot be ordinary people. We must realize that we are an extraordinary people, which means that our weaknesses are swallowed up and dissolved in the midst of his abundance. If you always see yourself as a common individual, you're always going to strive to come up with your own answers and your own remedies. And as singular individuals doing what God wants you to do, you don't have it in you to be God. Only God is God. So with human energy and skills, we will see ourselves as victims instead as of conquerors because we'll always see ourselves having to sacrifice for the kingdom well anybody with any christian sense and scriptural knowledge knows that you don't give anything that god doesn't reward you a hundredfold in this world and in the world to come eternal life if you'll simply believe god Believe what he said. Stand on what he said. Resist being caved in. We resist what the enemy throws at you, knowing that he that has commissioned you and summons you to ask you to do something is not trying to get you to do something at your own cost. He's asking you to seed yourself for a harvest. Could, amen? All right, so what happens instead of them being overcomers, we become victims. And then we become beatable. Then we become imprisonable. Then we become silenceable. Then we become unbelievable. Because there's no real revelation of God in us, so how can we experience it or share it with someone else their fear is a response fear 
and it creates discouragement, helplessness, powerlessness. But if we will remember that God is with us and you belong to him and you're not common, then you will rise up and do whatever God asks you to do. There's nothing impossible to those that believe. But many things are impossible and escape us when we don't believe. Now, do you believe that God is with you? You know, we sing that song, no more fear, no more shame, no more doubt. And if God is really with us, what do we have to fear? We don't have to fear that we're going to get hurt. We don't have to fear that we'll be disappointed by doing what he asked us to do. We don't have to fear that we're going to come out on the short end. We don't have to fear that somebody's going to take advantage of us. What does it matter? God is with us. And if they take something from us, he is a restorer so that they can come back and take it again. And if they take it again, that's fine. He'll restore it. And if they take it again, he'll restore it. Remember, we forgive people that sin against us seven times 70. So every two and a half minutes, they can plunder us, but God will replenish us. We never run out. Because God never runs out. Could I get an amen? All right. Hallelujah. So we must never fear and we must never be dismayed. Remember that Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles, we, we all know the story, where there were armies coming up against Jehoshaphat and Jehoshaphat is beside himself. He's fearful. Man, he says, everybody's going on a fast. Babies don't get to be fed. Animals don't be fed. I'm telling you, everybody better shut their mouth and not eat anything. We're in dire need of God. We need a breakthrough. Well, they're fasting, and the Spirit of God falls upon the Levite's son, and that Levite begins to prophesy. He begins to prophesy that, Look, you're not going to have to be dismayed, be discouraged. You don't have to be downcast because this battle is not even yours. It's mine. Now, I want you to go out, but I'm going to be there. And when I'm there, I don't need you to do what I said I would do. So you just stand and see the salvation of the Lord. Well, as soon as Jehoshaphat gets that revelation... Man, he can't contain himself. They appoint singers to go out. And they go out praising God. But when they get out there, they begin to see the salvation of the Lord. God begins to fight their battles. He makes people get mad at each other and start killing themselves. Now, I'm not saying they're married couples. I'm telling you that these were real men of men. People, men, soldiers, been through wars and battles, dependent, back to back, fighting to save each other's lives, taking cities and castles and nations. Their eyes have fell upon Israelites. But little did they know or remember that God was with them. And so when we realize that God is with us, guess what? We don't have to fear. We don't get dismayed. We don't look at the greatness of the multitude. The greatness of the multitude. 
For the battle is not ours, it's whose? God's. It's God's. Tomorrow go down ye against them and stand there in the battle and see. You got to show up, but then God shows up. Amen. And watch what God does when we do what we are supposed to do. Go out for the Lord, what's this, is with you. Is with you. In other words, his accompaniment simply means this. If they could overcome God, you could be overcome. But since they can't, you will not lose. Could I get an amen? So we want to make sure that God, we know he keeps his word. He's faithful. And if he said he would be with us, somebody say, he's not going to lie. Come on, he's not going to lie. Come on, if God said he's with you, then he's with you. Amen. How much more is a father with his children than he was with his servants in the old covenant? Get that mindset that God is with us as he was with Christ. We have Christ's rights. Not just human rights. We have Christ's rights. We can pray in his name and the Father that loves you, like he loved me, will answer your prayer. Look, we have Christ's rights. So the Lord is with us. Now whom shall we fear? So, as they began to make a show of their faith, as they begin to, the word praise means this, they begin to show off. They begin to shine or cut a shine. You ever seen a kid cut a shine? Or somebody cut a shine, they make a show of themselves. The word praise means they started boasting about God. They started declaring the victory that he said they had, and they started celebrating it before the battle began. It means to act foolish in front of others that don't know what's going on. It means to accept the end as God said it would be. Praise means to act as one who has lost their mind and are seeing things that don't exist. Yeah, hallelujah. It means to prophesy to your enemies of a guaranteed victory. But when you're silent, your enemy is encouraged that you are weakening. Your enemy is encouraged that it's just you. That your evaluation of the field that you are on is that you are there by yourself. But when you start thanking and praising God, come on, could I get an amen? When you start thanking and praising God, guess what? They understand these are not common people. These are not common people. But I looked so common, so did Israel. But when they came in, the spies came into Rahab, Rahab said, oh, my word, we've heard about what God did. We heard he dried up the Red Sea. We heard what you did to the Amorites. We heard what you did to the other kings. And when we thought about it, 
we be our men of might and war begin to tremble in themselves and they literally fainted. That means they fell down thinking about you and I. Now that's how frail your adversaries are when God is on your side. So why should we stay awake and worry? Why should we wonder? Why should we be embittered? Why should we be discouraged? Why should we be uh, discontent? Why should we think that it's not going to turn out? It's going to be the way that God has said it in his word. Come on, hallelujah. And so we have to realize that God is with us. His hand's not short that it can't save. Numbers 19, uh, 23, 19, he doesn't lie. Come on, do we believe those things? All right, if we believe those things, then we have to understand what Paul said in Romans 8, 35, down through 38. Though all these things come against us, who shall separate us? There is always an adversary behind every persecution, tribulation, hardships, ups and downs, attacks, things present, things to come, angels, death, life. It doesn't matter because all of those things, if you stand with God on your side, will not separate you from his covenant in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Joshua 1.5. I'll make this statement. Joshua, Moses has died. And Joshua is commanded to take the children of Israel into the land of promise. Now remember, that thing is filled with mean people. And he's got to cross a river, the Jordan, and it's out in the outer banks. And Joshua tells, God tells Joshua this, I will be with you. I will not forsake you. And I will not fail you. Those are our words. And then God says, be strong and of a good courage. In other words, be mentally fortified. Lay hold of it and don't back down. Take it as your own. It's not just for a chosen few. It's for you. I'm with you. So you can be slaves of your problems or you can start the journey to cross over. Mere men, common, put their foot on the edge of a swelled river and it stopped and mounted up on one side and flowed down the other side. God is with them. They get over and look at the walled cities they don't sharpen their swords. They don't even carry shields and spears. They just walk around. And they shout. And the walls don't fall down. They are plunged into the earth. These are not common people. And you and I are not common. Could I get an amen? God was with them. He will not forsake them. He will not fail them. 
No matter who stands against us, God is our source. Could I get an amen? We all remember the story of Ziklag. David comes back, the whole place is ravaged, burned to the ground. His now has been destroyed. His wife, his good belongings, they're all gone. His future has been stolen. His children are in bondage. 600 men with David. They are discouraged and so is David. The Bible says this about David. It says that David was broken. He was discouraged. Who would not have been? He was distressed. He was grieved, which means they all became embittered against God and David over the loss of their sons, daughters, and wives. They were filled with questions that destroy faith. Why? Where are they? How can it ever be? Why did this happen when we were following God's man? David said, bring me the ephod. And he put his face in the ephod, a place where God meets men. And he begins to encourage himself. And then he gets enough courage to say, God, shall I pursue and shall I recover? God said, David, get up, you pursue them, and you will recover all. David gets up and tells them, I'm going after them. Now, 400 men said, oh, we'll go too, but David didn't need them. He did not need them. He had the one that he needed. Go, David. I'm going with you. David had more than what David needed. He had God on his side. And so, you and I have God on our side. Why will we sit by and watch our children stay bound? Why will we sit by and see them given over to doubt, skepticism, scorning, atheism? Why when we have God? Well, you know, they have a choice. Quiet. God said, if you believe, you and your household shall be saved. He didn't say they have to believe, they got to do this, they got to do that. I think God can convince anybody. Ask Pharaoh. I think God could convince anybody. Ask Moses. I think God could convince anybody. Ask all the Israelites to sing David, slay a giant. I believe God could convince everybody. Ask Peter when he walked on the water and the 11 others that saw him. I believe that God can convince anybody. Ask those that were around when Lazarus was raised from the dead. I believe that God can make anybody believe. Ask the empty tomb. Ask those on the Emmaus walk. Ask them as their hearts burned in them. Ask them if they believe when he walked through the wall and broke bread. Ask him when he called, have you caught any fish? None. 
And they came and Jesus had the fish prepared. Ask him. Ask every man. Do they believe? I'm going to tell you a story that I heard today. Fresh off the press. There's a man that had been freed of cancer. Doesn't attend our church. He attends like a St. Paul. I don't know if it's Catholic or Methodist church, but his father was saved and his father went to heaven. And uh, this family had, he had also lost a sister. And she was young and she went to heaven. Well, he said he kind of believed. But in the midst of this, his sister approaches him one day and he's just telling him, I believe in Jesus. What happened to you? And he began to tell the story. He says that God came to me. And my little sister that had passed away was with him. And my father was with him. And God spoke to me and told me to follow him. And God led him down a path to a cross. And at that cross, that man believed. You say, oh, that, that's just so unorthodox. This is not your story, it's his. And then God tells him what day he's going to go to heaven. What does it take for God to get to a man that God's not willing to do? against all odds from heaven where his father stands as a believer he fulfills a covenant if you believe you and your family shall be saved a faithful God We have nothing to fear. God is with each and every one of us. He is with us today. And the only reason that prison still exists is because we have not exercised our God strength, our God faith, our God authority, our God purpose. He's with us and he's upholding all things by the power that's in his word. We are here today and there is nothing impossible to you and I. Nothing. Children's prison doors are waiting to be open. And just as sure as God came into that cell with Peter, He'll come into the cell of your children. 
and he will set them free. They may not know how, as Peter thought, I, it's a vision. Then he realized, no, this is God. God is not waiting on himself. He's waiting on us. It may seem impossible, but remember, God told Moses, I'll go with you. He'll go with us. When it comes to prayer, he'll go with us. It'll not be you that speaketh, but the spirit of your father that speaketh in you. It'll not be your voice. It'll be God's voice. It'll not be your faith. It'll be the spirit of faith, the Holy Ghost. Our children can be free. Be relentless. Be merciless against the powers of darkness. Weary not, but rise up. O army of God, rise up. Rise up. Rise up and take the land. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, I loose God right now. I ask you to transform the minds of people. God, I ask you to loose a consciousness. God, that you are with us. God, we're not by ourselves. We don't even pray by ourselves. For there is a voice that says, go here. Pray about this. You bring things back to our remembrance, God. You fill our mouth with the word. And God, we are speaking in languages that heaven is abounding towards to fulfill. God, we are not a common people. We are bought by the blood of the Lamb. We are sealed by the Holy Ghost. We are named by God. And he walks with us. We are never alone. For Jesus said, I will not leave thee, nor will I forsake thee, righteous ones. I will not do it. He is a faithful Savior. Hallelujah. Wherever you're at, he'll strengthen your arm. He'll focus your eyes. He'll open your ears. He will open up wellsprings. He'll bring prosperity. He'll bring healing. It doesn't matter, for He is with you right where you are. Are His footsteps. Hallelujah. Oh, Father. We thank you today. We thank you today. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, oh, don't walk through life by yourself. Jesus died for you. He died to shed his blood to wash away all your sins. He's been waiting for this moment that you could come to him. He's been waiting this moment for you to be transformed.
He's waiting for this moment to join himself with you. That you can become one with him. Every backslider and every sinner has an invitation to come to Jesus. You're here today and you say, Pastor, that's me. I, I need for you to pray for me. If you're here today and you're a backslider or a sinner and you say, Pastor, will you please pray for me? Lift up your hand. Just let me see your hand, wherever it is. Come on, let me see it so I can pray for you. There, there. All right. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Let's everybody stand. And if you lifted up your hand today and you're not a Christian or you're a backslider, will you please come out of your seat and let me pray for you? I want to pray with you, and I certainly want to pronounce blessing upon you. So if you're here and you lifted your hands up, please come on down here. Don't worry about what people think. This is all just in between you and God. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Somebody say, God is with me. That's right. Hallelujah. Don't forget it. God is with me. Come on, say, God is with me. And you have everything you need to do whatever you need to do. Amen.